1: It is indeed game week and you are indeed tuned in to Sunday Smash alongside the managing editor of WarChant.com. He's Ira Shafell. My name is Tom Lang. Welcome in everybody on WarChan TV to Sunday Smash, where there are no more Saturdays without college football until we hit the new year, twenty twenty three. That is a comforting feeling. Ira, how's it going today?
2: It's going great, Tom. This is this is uh I'm jacked, man. I'm fired up. It's game week.
1: Yeah. Me too. This morning when I woke up and I saw on Warchant.com that there was an offensive roundtable, uh, even though I was a part of it and I knew it was coming, it just it kind of hit different, sir, that uh, the meeting of the minds had happened and you were a part of it and, and Corey and Austin. Uh, it is a great time to be at Warchant.com right now and Warchant TV. Like the video right now. Stop what you're doing. If you're on YouTube, there is a thumbs up. You hit it right now. Please support us. It helps us find more FSU fans who love good FSU football content. That's what we provide at Warchant TV. And subscribe to the channel for absolutely free. And we'll tell you a little bit more about how to subscribe to Warchant.com as the show goes on. But I've got to thank Rob Rathbun first. Rob is already in with a contribution to Sunday Smash. He is feeling festive just like you and I are. And Ira, I think there's something. There it is. There it is.
2: Cheers, Rob. I Cheers,
1: I know that Kayvon is always the police for who is having what. Ira has the red stripe. So he's feeling in full season, in the swing of the full season. Rob, yay football. Yay beer. Yay red stripe. <laughs> Ira, uh, how did you feel this morning when you woke up, when you posted the roundtable on warchant.com? Did it, did it hit a little bit different? Because it did for me.
2: Man, I'll be honest with you, when I typed the intro and I said six days from the season opener, yeah. that was probably the first time. It's like, oh my gosh, this is really I kept checking the calendar. Is this really is this true? Are they gonna play football in less than a week? Man, it's uh it's awesome. It's it's you know, that that wait seems like it gets longer and longer every year, especially when the Knolls aren't playing in the postseason. It makes that long literally that that you that wait literally longer. Uh, but I think just because there's you know, somebody, one of the responses on the message boards to the roundtable was somebody said, you know, they wish they could go back and see what we were saying going in the last few previous seasons. And I can guarantee you it wasn't kind of the excitement that we have about this team. Not that we're saying this team is going to be, a you know, world beaters, but there is a lot to be excited about, especially compared to the last few seasons.
1: All right. So let's talk about Warchant.com for just a moment, because that's where you can find the offensive roundtable. It's a buck. Come on, I'm using the Jeff Cameron energy. There it is. It's a buck, $1 for the whole year. Head to Warchant.com to sign up right now. It's also in the comments section. If you are a part of the chat on Warchant TV on YouTube, you can click over. And Austin says, is the $1 worth it? Come on, Austin. Is $1 worth it for a pack of gum? Well, then it's certainly worth it for Warchant.com's coverage for 12 months. 904 Noel says, it's the best dollar I've spent. There you go. Make it the best dollar you spent right now by heading to Warchant.com. Use the link in the comments section if you want to make it easier on yourself. We pinned it up top. It'll take you right to the sign-up page. Thank you all, FSU fans, for supporting us at Warchant. We can't wait to get going with the season ahead. Uh, So Ira, let me ask you about that roundtable because it's something for members only on Warchant.com. All it'll cost you is a dollar to go see it right now as you're listening to us. Of the questions you put together, and there were five, I do believe, what was your favorite question Uh, that you put in that list or or what question evoked the best responses that, uh, that you got out of us?
2: Oh, they were all great responses, Tom. Of course they were. were. I was a little surprised that everybody picked the wide receivers is the the revelation Uh, because the offensive line was a bit of of a revelation as well. Um, But it seemed like everybody kind of went straight to wide receiver. And I I think that's the right answer of those two um, because there's a lot to be excited about the offensive line. I don't know what the ceiling of the offensive line, like the depth yep. is so much better. Yes. Uh, I think the front line is going to be solid, but the, the best thing about that offensive line, and, and you mentioned this in your answer was, uh, it might've been an answer to a different question, but that the the depth of the offensive line is is a big positive, And the future of the offensive line is a big positive. When you look at those young guys, Julian Armella and Kanaya Charlton, and some of those young guys, they have Bryson Estes from the class before, but I don't know that the the ceiling for the offensive line is super high, whereas I do think the ceiling for the wide receiver group could be could be much higher than it has been a long time. I think it could be pretty high. I mean, I I really think Johnny Wilson and we talked about it in, one of the, in that answer and a couple other answers, but you know, I really think Johnny Wilson and Micah Pittman have been huge additions. We think Deuce Band can contribute. Um, so I think that that is the right answer. But the offensive line is is I think been somewhat of a revelation as well.
1: Yeah. I just, I worry about the tackle play. I, I don't know what, like, so when we do practice observations, and you can find those as a member of warchant.com after most any practice and certainly through camp you did. Um, when you show that somebody won a rep, sometimes it's just because somebody won and somebody lost. And I get that that sounds very basic, but it's not about relative skill towards what you're going to see in ACC competition or upper level SEC competition or anything like that. It's just about what was in front of them on a given day. So What would Florida State's offensive line do against a defensive line like LSU or Clemson or Miami or NC State? That's where when we wrap camp and we pivot towards game weeks, you can say, what am I concerned about? And for me, I'm concerned more about tackle play on the offensive line. I think that Johnny Wilson's game, for example, to your point, Ira, might translate against most any corner if he shows what he did in practice these last couple of weeks. And would you agree that in the last couple of weeks, there's been a bit of a transition in what we've seen out of Johnny in consistency. And then also just outright playmaking ability.
2: Yeah. Without question. And that's where, and that's why I've kind of, I've I've taken away all the qualifiers, you know, I think for since Johnny Wilson got here, showed some really nice uh, strides in the spring, but everybody's kind of, you know, everything they've said, they've kind of preempted with, well, if he can do it on Saturdays, if he could do it in the stadium, if he could do it under the lights and, and it's like, I don't know, man, I've seen it enough in practice. If you do it, As much as he does it in practice, in terms of making contested catches, he's got very good body control. He gets up, he can run. He runs a lot better than people would think for a six seven guy. He's got good strong hands. He'll snatch the ball away from guys. I don't. I just. I. I. I, It's going to carry over. I don't have any doubt it's going to carry over. He looks completely different than he did in the spring. So I've taken away all the qualifiers. I think he's their best receiver. And now I don't know if he's got the most receptions because I do think teams are going to start shading him. Because I think he could be a dominant football player. Um, but I do think he's going to have a huge year for them. I, I'm really excited. And to your point, yes, he's a guy that I believe now, if he can do it against Amari Cooper in practice, he can do it against just about any corner that they're going to be going up against in games. And that's different, as we said, from the offensive line. The offensive line can look competent against some of the guys they're going up against in practice. Yep. But FSU still doesn't have a bunch of five stars on that defensive line. So that's going to be a challenge for FSU's offensive line when they go up against some of these fronts that they're going to see. I mean, look, man, the reality is LSU has – and we're going to see it in a couple weeks. They may not have been a good team last year. They may not be a great team this year, but they've got dudes on that defensive front, and Florida State's offensive line is going to have to contend with that.
1: Yeah, I think the, uh, the interior of the offensive line is more prepared because they see fabian lovett robert cooper josh farmer and others every day but the tackles it's just that's the question is how good are the tackles and how good are the rush ends and if the answer is they're both good then things could get real fun real fast a couple of housekeeping notes right here on sunday smash remember for the first half we're going to do what we've been doing of late everybody where i've had uh Corey was on last time i was on the, the previous two times if you got questions about camp Please throw those into the chat and we'll uh, answer the most we can in the next 20, 25 minutes. But Dominic Robinson, our own, it's fun to say that, our own Dominic Robinson is going to be on at the bottom of the hour. He is our lead football analyst here on Warchant.com and Warchant TV. And Director Matthew is in the house. Matthew, if you could put up the schedule, please, for next Saturday. He is going to be the star of our Warchant Watch Along next Saturday, 5 p.m. But take a look at that schedule as we present to you Warchant Game Day zaxby's has sponsored the whole day for you this is what we're going to bring on saturday and look at those beautiful cartoons can we
2: can we we just leave that up the whole show
1: we could uh ira i'd like your grades on every individual uh cartoon character (laughs) just a moment after i get done with the promo but for those of you making the trip to tallahassee or if you live in the 850 our pregame show will start 2 p.m it'll be jeff cameron and myself Will be live from Hotel Indigo in College Town, 2 p.m. on Saturday. We can't wait to see you. It's on the seventh floor of the building, overlooking Doke. It's beautiful. Five o'clock, the watch long. It'll be Aslan and Dominic for the first half. I will join Dominic for the second half as Aslan makes his way over to Doke to do the War Chant rap, among other things, with uh, War Chant TV. And in the post game show, it'll be me and Gene, 10 to 15 minutes following the game. Me and Gene Williams for the War Chant post game show, all brought to you by Zaxby's. And Matthew, leave it up there right now. Ira, who is your favorite cartoon character, and why?
2: <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny, man. I, I, the Corey with the champagne is classic. You can't you can't yep. go wrong there. I don't know why they turned you it, turned you into like a fifty year old curmudgeon from New York. Uh, <laughs> I'm not not sure about that one, but I think Gene's might be the best. I mean, yeah. Gene Gene looks like uh, yeah, he looks like what the hell has happened here? What what have I? He looks like uh, like the Einstein or the um, in uh, Frankenstein, like the yep. the professor that can't believe what he created.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's true. Like if you're looking for truth in a caricature, that's probably uh, Gene is the is the most honest. Uh, the best prop award goes to I think both Corey and you because you're Mister Binoculars. You're the guy from the press box who looks for those insights, and we'll ask about those uh, on the WarChamp post game show. After each game concludes, for me, I'll explain it. Matthew, you can take it down now, I guess. Uh, but that's my army of chickens. That's why they put the military hat on me because for the pregame shows, I would ask my army of chickens what their uh, prediction would be for the. I gotcha. Season. There you go. But they didn't have to necessarily like do this. Like <laughs> they, <you> know, <laughs> it looks
2: like it like a guy like a guy I would see at Aqueduct betting the horses, yeah. a degenerate gambler at the track.
1: Right. Yeah. I lost the third race. You know. Of course, He's not a mutter. It started raining, of course. But uh, yeah, that that's the f- kind of fun we have behind the scenes. And I'm glad that Zaxby's brought that to the forefront here. That's what you can expect next Saturday. We're loaded right here on War Chain TV. Make sure to subscribe to our channel underneath the page. All right. Uh, Foghorn Leghorn. No, that is the Zaxby's chicken, Jeremy. That is the uh, the one and only Zaxby's chicken. Make and, sure that's part of your game day. Go ahead, Dara.
2: And Zaxby's is paying the bill. So uh, they get the chicken. The chicken comes.
1: Yes, that's right. There is no stolen valor, Garrett. I have all the valor in the world, and so do my army of chickens. Uh, Matthew, if you want to, let's go. We've only got 15, 20 minutes before Dominic graces us with his presence and his insights, and I can't wait to talk to him because I have not since Midnight Madness here on War Chain TV. Uh, What's our first question of the evening for what's going on? Sean B. Oh, Sean, what's going on? We look forward to seeing you in uh, Louisiana. Isn't a good defensive end always going to have the edge over an offensive tackle? Hmm. That's interesting.
2: Uh, I'll ask. I mean, the- they're always better athletes. I mean, the, you know, they're obviously by definition, they're going to be better athletes. You'd like to think that, you know, with the skills that Alex Atkins teaches that you can mitigate some of that. And then also there are things you can do scheme wise to help out, but yeah, I mean, it, if it's a one-on-one with no help, I mean, you got to be a really good offensive tackle to shut down an elite defensive end. I mean, you got to be
1: yeah, special. I- I think also in those situations, if you're a defensive end and you win one out of 20 reps, that's right. also the scale is different. You know, you yeah, should so never- you're should you signing a contract, <laughs> right? You are signing a contract, you know, especially in this day and age of college football. If there's 85 plays run against you and you have four tackles for loss, you're making a hell of a lot of money. And Jermaine Johnson just did that. Uh, but Sean, again, we, we look forward to seeing you out in Louisiana in a couple of weeks. Next up on Sunday Smash is from Mark. I'm still worried about the tight ends this year. I haven't heard a lot about them from you guys this offseason. By far, our weakest unit. Well, Ira, would you agree that it's by far the weakest unit if you're looking at the segment groups on offense and defense?
2: I don't know that the tight end's worse than the offensive line group. Um, you know, I mean, I think that they're both – I mean, the offensive line group is much improved. The tight end group is probably going to be about what, it's, what it was a year ago, and I think it's decent. It's There's no superstars. We haven't seen any superstars in that group. Now, we do like the young talent, we really like Brian Courtney, um, I think Drew Powers. We're starting to see Drew Powers. I saw him this week in scout team making some plays. Uh, so I think that you know there's the potential is there athletically. Um, but yeah, I mean we haven't seen Cam McDonald be a superstar. Uh, we don't haven't seen you know Wyatt Rector. You're not expecting him to be a superstar. They don't have any A plus tight ends. But you know I think it's been a solid group. I don't think it's I don't think it's a weakness. It's just not stellar in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I think it's got a pulse more than it did uh, before camp. Like, I didn't put it as my number one surprise in the roundtable that you can see at WarChant.com, but there are more players making different contributions than I thought there would be. For example, Marquise and Douglas, I think, is out right. camp. Wyatt Rector's had a good couple of weeks. Brian Courtney already is a proficient pass-catching tight end. I don't know that he can play the whole position. So those are three guys before you even get to Cam McDonald that I think are, are decent players. But I do think if you go position by position, it's probably the weakest on the team. But it's not without it's not without any players, if that makes sense. Last year, Cam McDonald was a good receiving tight end, and Jordan Wilson by the end of the year was a pretty good player. I think they're gonna be about there. I don't know that there's gonna be a drop off.
2: So well, here's and the other thing I would say about the tight ends, and this is where I think in fairness to Cam McDonald, you know, the last couple of years they've been playing where defenses didn't have to respect the vertical passing game right so that makes it a lot tougher for a tight end if this team with johnny wilson a better offensive line can stretch the field and do span and malik mcclain if they can stretch the field i think now your tight ends they don't have to be superstars there's going to be space to operate it
1: yeah that no totally that's the key balance if this offense achieves balance a lot more names are going to come to the forefront as playmakers but we'll see if they do so if they do it gets pretty fun pretty fast Next on Sunday smash director Matthew says Swiss. Oh, Hey, what's up, Brian? Uh, What game will FSU lose that they should win this season? And likewise, what game will FSU win that they should lose? I think both happen. Yeah, probably. So if you're a 50 50 type team in a lot of games, even if it skews a, a three point game one way or the other, in terms of Vegas odds, that's likely going to happen that you win a game you're not supposed to and vice versa. Um, Ira, I'll start with you. After I say, I think there's a good chance that FSU beats LSU early on, and they get at least one half of this equation checked off. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a, a solid guess, and and it's hard to say like what they're expected to win or lose because a lot of these games are going to be kind of coin coin flips. Like I, I don't think it would be a big upset if FSU beat LSU. I don't think it's gonna be a, an upset if FSU beats Wake Forest, um, but they may be they may have been an underdog against LSU, and you know Wake beat them pretty handily a year ago. Um, as far as teams that might surprise Florida State, um Yeah, you know, that's again, Florida. Florida here is a game that I think Florida State should win. You're your Florida State, the the roster of Florida may have an advantage in overall talent. They may, they may not. I'm not totally sure on that, but I haven't looked at them closely yet. But it's here, they've got a new coaching staff. I'm not sold on Anthony Richardson necessarily being the guy for the entire season. I think if Jordan Travis is still healthy at that point, I think you've got the advantage of quarterback. You're at home. I think that's a game Florida State should win, but I could see them losing it just because Florida may have overall a little bit better talent.
1: Yeah, that's. I like the way that question is phrased because you could look at maybe a Boston College or a Syracuse and say maybe those are are games where you fully expect to win and maybe that opponent rises up. I know you're shaking your head like, oh, my God, what would happen if – But given that, for example, Boston College has a really good defense, I could see that being a a one-score game in the fourth quarter, even though BC doesn't have an offensive line to speak of. It could just be a clunky day for the offense. But uh, we all like to point to the former part, Swiss-Irish, which is (laughs) there are a lot of games that Florida State the national media might not think they have a chance in, but they should be in a few more. Matthew, I'm going to cut in line right here because I'm going to take Carol's question from Facebook. Hi, Carol. Who breaks the rock for winning the first game? I like this question. Uh, because, first of all, it means Florida State goes 1-0, and, oh, and that hasn't happened here in, in quite a, a long time. Uh, I'd like to say it would be Tatum Bethune, because I think Bethune might rack up a ton of tackles early on, and therefore he might be honored. He has yet to do something like that just yet. So I'm going to say Tatum Bethune. What do you think, Ira?
2: Well, the problem is, I don't know, Tatum. But you don't want Tatum Bethune, you don't want to believe Tatum been on the field that long against Duquesne mm-hmm. to where he's making – 16 tackles right uh so i'm gonna go with a guy maybe that makes a play either in special teams uh or maybe forces a turnover uh i'm gonna go with um oh man i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with uh amarian cooper i'm gonna go with amarian cooper maybe making a couple plays getting a turnover or two and uh kind of setting the tone with the defense look this defense that's a game again where you'd like to see the defense may create some turnovers, not just play well, but force the issue, create some turnovers. Mission takeaway, and uh, I'd like to see somebody on defense do that.
1: Uh, can I just say something off camera that has nothing to do with the show right now? In the distance, in my front yard, a hawk has just taken out a small bird, a, uh, a red-shouldered hawk, and that was phenomenal television. I wish i could share it with you ira you once shared a story of the practice fields what kind of bird was it was it a hawk that you saw? i don't even know
2: if it was a hawk but man there was there was a couple birds flying and another bird just came in boom. i mean it and the other one the yeah. one it hit just dropped like a rock my out of the, right in front of us when we were watching practice
1: so this particular room i'm in the uh the window is on the second floor of my house and it overlooks my neighbor's front yard and that's the carnage just happened. Here's hoping Tatum Bethune does something like that in week one and uh, and breaks the rock. Uh, next question that has nothing to do with animal murder. Uh, next up here on Sunday Smash, Matthew from Garrett says, thoughts on Urban Meyer returning to Fox. Fi- well, I mean, TV can't help themselves, Garrett. They cannot help themselves. If it wasn't Fox, it was going to be ESPN. If it wasn't either of those, it would have been CBS and the SEC. Do you agree, Ira? They just can't help themselves around that guy.
2: Yeah, and the thing is, man, like he and he's good at it. I mean, it's not like he's bad at TV. He's good at it. It's just like, man, how do you sit next to that guy? Um, it's uh, at some point you like to think people won't want to watch him because he just seems to be a pretty awful human being. The stories that came out of Jacksonville, um, but you know, like you said, he's good on TV and he's got a name, and they know people will watch it.
1: Sunday Smash brought to you by ABC Fine Wine and Spirits throughout the state of Florida. You know where your local ABC is. Go ahead and hit it up. A couple more questions before we have our guest at the bottom of the hour because I see him in the green room. Matthew, what's up next on Sunday Smash? From William, has there been too much emotional weight placed on the LSU game? Well, Ira, let's, let's turn that towards what we've seen out of practice. Do you think they've been a little bit too focused on LSU as an opponent? Because I don't get that sense.
2: No, I think they've been, I mean, from everything we've seen, it seems like they're still focused on themselves. Even though this past week, late in the week, they started doing some of their uh, install stuff, the game plan for uh, Duquesne. Um, I, it still feels like they're practicing against themselves or practicing to get better. Um, it's not like you see, and that, man, there've been years in the past. I remember back when D-Rob was here, I remember there were times where, you know, the players would talk about Miami early in the, before the season even started because, you know, think about how Miami, how hard's Miami working right now? That kind of thing. So that kind of stuff exists. Um, but now, I don't think from a player standpoint, from a fan base standpoint, sure, man. Like in the media, and people are going to definitely overreact to that game either way. It's yeah. this. It's week one. It's the second game of the season for Florida State. If Florida State wins it, it doesn't mean they're going to beat all these other teams. It means they beat a team that has a new coaching staff and a completely different roster in their first game. If they lose it. It doesn't mean their season's over either because they still have time to, to improve and and they're not going to face play, some teams with quite as much talent as LSU has on that defense. So, you know, yeah, we're, we are all putting way too much in the LSU game, but I don't know if the players are.
1: Yeah, I think just from a recruiting standpoint, it's got so much importance that if you can win that game on a Sunday with nothing else on television and then you have a bye week, which means the coaches can hit the trail and visit high schools to watch Friday Night Lights the next week. Boy, you can puff your chest out as you walk down those sidelines in South Georgia or all over the state of Florida. That would be a hell of an opportunity. But beyond that, you're right, Ira. I mean, if you lose it, then muscle up, beat Louisville, and, and you're on the path. You're 2-1, and one, which is on the right track to to winning the games that we're talking about. You mentioned his name, so let's... Watch him appear on screen right now. He's Dominic Robinson. He is our senior football analyst, our lead football analyst on Warchant TV, and he is on Sunday Smash. He will be a part of the Warchant watch-alongs and more here on Warchant TV during the season, so make sure to hit the uh, subscribe button underneath this video right now. Dominic, welcome to the program. How are you tonight?
0: Good afternoon, or good, I guess it's good evening.
2: <laughs> it good afternoon, how you?
0: What's up, guys?
2: Hey, man, I want to get right into it though, real quick. Yeah, let's I know you got something you want to ask him, but uh, just on that topic, if Florida State beats LSU, they've got Louisville the next game out. I mean, they do have a bye before Louisville, mm-hmm. but that's going to be a challenge for this team when they haven't had success. To Don't you think that's going to be a challenging spot for them, even if they if they beat LSU, how they handle that going into that game against Louisville at Louisville?
0: Yeah, and that'll tell you a lot about the maturity of this, of the group, right? The one thing about this new college football that we know where the, where the rosters are being flipped so quickly is uh, we don't know how mature these teams are. We, we, we give kids credit for experience because, you know, maybe they started over here or they did this, but as a unit, you know, there's a, there's a sort of chemistry that has to be, uh, uh, evolved throughout the course of going through hard times or great times together. And um, so with all this transferring and bringing new kids and kids playing early, uh, you don't really know how a team's gonna respond to uh, both the success and failure. And so that's one thing that will we'll be uh, exposed, you know, right away. The other thing I will say, just to answer that question from earlier is, you can't really put too much weight on, on that LSU game. Like he asked, is there too much? And the answer is, yeah, there probably is. But that just comes with the territory. You don't sign up to go play at Florida State if you don't want to play emotionally weighted games. Uh, you know, say, same, same thing for the LSU players. You know, uh, they're dealing with a whole lot of uh, uh, weight that's being put on on that game for them. And uh, new coaching staff, new quarterback and all that stuff. So, um, so yeah, it, it's there is a lot of weight. And it is probably too much. And uh, but that's just that that's what you sign up to to do to, uh, to deal with if you go play for one of those schools.
1: So Dominic Robinson is going to be a part of more chance game day uh, offerings. And that will be full screen here in just a second oh. showing what we do every game day. We've got to watch along starting at five o'clock. That's when kickoff of the 2022 season begins. Florida State and Duquesne. So, D-Rob, I'm going to ask you a question about how you consume the game of football you played it at such a high level you were at Florida State a mm-hmm. part of the OG fourth and 14 here in uh, yeah. Gainesville when you watch the game of football and when you're reacting to plays that you see which is what we're going to be talking about on the fly on WarChan TV where do you look first and what kind of keys do you look for if there's a casual fan in this chat right now that says how can I watch the game smarter what would you tell them? uh
0: the first thing I would say is stop watching the ball um that's going to give you a lot of false uh, keys or false understanding of what's going on. Um, I will tell you, this is me personally. I hate um, where I'm at now in that I can never just ignorantly, or I guess mindlessly watch a football game. Um, I'm constantly evaluating what are the coaches doing? Are the players executing their technique um, you know what are they doing schematically to get an advantage? Um, what are the coaches doing to help these these guys um, accent their abilities or or what they do well? And then what aren't they doing? Um, you know, so I, I would say, um, you know, really try to take it in from a standpoint of, um, you know, don't get lost in a big play. A forty-yard gain doesn't necessarily mean that that was a good play. Um, sometimes it takes an individual, a great individual effort, to make a, a forty-yard play. And also, a two-yard gain isn't always a bad play. Um, so that that may be a, a good starting point for you if you're just a casual fan. Is um, is a, a t- at times we get so emotionally invested in our teams or seeing our players do well that we get lost in thinking that, okay, well, you know, and I said this when I was on last time, it's like, why didn't they just call the touchdown play? Like every time there's a touchdown, it's like, just call that one every time. And, um, it, and, and it does seem like that would be a reasonable thing to do, but there's a reason why there was success on that play. And a lot of times it was something earlier that you were upset about. It was a two yard gain or it was even a tackle for loss or maybe a sack. That a adjustment was made, and that's why that play was successful later on down the road. So you can't discount the two yard gains or the the uh, negative plays. Also, you can't give too much credit to the positive plays or the the big plays that that happened.
2: Yeah, I think that, and that's going to be one of the cool things about the the game day watching experience that we're going to have is that you know coming out of halftime, you you'll be able to kind of talk about what happened in the first half and maybe things you're looking to see. From each team, kind of responding to what the other team did early on, and and I think that that's uh, and then and then react to how those teams respond to that because, you know, I think that, that that what's going on behind the game I think is interesting, and a lot of times the people like us that either didn't play or coach uh, sometimes don't know. Dominic, I want to ask you about um, Johnny Wilson because you know Johnny's look when he transferred in from Florida State. We all looked at the first thing we did was looked at the roster and saw his size, and okay, he's six foot seven big, strong kid. And then we looked at the numbers and you didn't see huge numbers for him at Arizona State. And then he comes in in the spring and and there were flashes here and there, but he also had some issues with some drop passes and and maybe wasn't in the best shape when he came in right away in the spring. But man, he has been the star. I think he's been the star of the camp. Uh, He's been dominant at times. I know you are out in Arizona. He was playing at Arizona State. You're familiar with him. Are you surprised when I tell you that Johnny Wilson, even though he didn't put up huge numbers in Arizona State, he might be, I don't know, man, he might be the most dominant player on that offense.
0: I am not surprised, not even in the slightest. Um, I will tell you right now that if you liked Calvin Benjamin, you will love Johnny Wilson.
2: It's a big talk, man.
0: If you liked Calvin Benjamin, (laughs) you will love Johnny Wilson. He is a better version of... I don't like saying that guys are better or worse, but he he, he is an upgraded version from what Kel, when I knew Kelvin Benjamin, Benjamin to be, which I was actually in Tallahassee coaching at Leon High School when Kelvin was there. And I spent a lot of time in the offseason running routes with them, um, doing stuff with them you know, on the field. So I was able to see Kelvin up front and then I was able to see Johnny here in Arizona. Um, and actually spent a, a, a substantial amount of time with him, the dude is a star. He's just a star, and it doesn't surprise me one bit um, that he succeeded in camp. Um, I thought he was going to go through the roof this past season at Arizona State. Really? Um, I, I legitimately thought he was going to have an 80 or 90 catch season and be you know in the running for the Bolitnikov. He's that good of a player um he's just a special special talent um he you know he has his you know warts just like any player you know he's not a perfect player but they they dude is going to be a college football star and i i certainly hope uh this is the season that that it's going to happen but i i think i think it's overdue because i thought last year i really thought he would bust out
2: so, so well, i was just gonna ask, i was gonna ask probably the same thing thomas guys well first of all yeah so what what do you think held him back? It was a just I know Arizona State was kind of a mess last year. Would you put yeah. it all on that?
0: Yeah, it, you know, it's a lot. Um, you know, football is a very, very complex game, right? So there's a lot of issues. Um, there's a lot of little things that go into the equation in terms of having success. And it's not always just the player. There's a scheme. There's the teams that you go against and where the ball is being dictated to go to. Obviously, there's your your guys up front and how they're blocking and what uh, how that results in success for for yourself. If you're a guy that's a down the field guy, you gotta have time to get there. Um, you know, uh, there was an injury. I believe he had early. I think he had a hamstring.
2: He did have a um, hamstring. I think I think it early. was a hamstring that bothered him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. he had a hamstring early. Um, and then they had some quarterback, I think, just watching them as closely as I watched, which I was really intently watching Arizona State last year because they had some incredibly talented pieces. Like, I'm, I'm not kidding you. Had they have stayed healthy and not had the coaching issues that they had, that team was going to be a very good team. Um, and, and obviously with Johnny at the forefront of that, but um, even the quarterback who we're going to see, obviously, is the LSU quarterback now. Um, incredibly talented guy, but was not, it wasn't meshing. Uh, the system wasn't meshing. It just wasn't working for him uh, for whatever reason, whether that was mental or physical, you know, obviously I'm not in those those rooms, so I'm not positive of what it was, but you could watch, you could see it was real clunky. It was just like whatever he was calling the quarterback and, and, uh, and, the, and the coordinator just were not on the same page ever. I mean, at no point in time in the season um, did it feel like they ever got on the same page. So because of that, you know, guys suffer. Uh, their running back which was a real talented kid too. He ended up, I think, he got drafted, or he's he at least has got picked up as a pro agent, uh, uh, free agent. So a lot of talent, and and I think a couple guys got lost because of the the struggles that the the, the coach, the the communication between coach and player, just it didn't mesh there at Arizona
1: State. Well, we all hope that uh, Dominic Robinson's thoughts on Johnny Wilson come to fruition because then FSU's got a game breaker on its hands week to week that when they do the game breakers or whatever the thing ESPN puts up when they kick off and they say, here are your game changers, it would be Johnny Wilson every week that they put up on the marquee. That would be fun to see. Ira, I see you.
2: Yeah, I got one. I, I just, let's keep rolling here on Johnny Wilson. Yeah. So yeah. one other thing about him, Dominic, and, and then I'll move on to other stuff, but I was talking to Uh, our friend Kez McCorvey during the during before Mm -hmm. preseason before preseason camp. And I was talking about Johnny Wilson and, and he said, I thought coming out of the spring, like we saw the potential and I thought where we'd really see Johnny Wilson shine would be in the red zone, maybe third Mm -hmm. downs because of that size. He said, he's like, man, he's going to be a major weapon on first down because, Mm -hmm. and basically he was just saying, I think he didn't go into all the detail. But he said he's a guy, he can get you seven yards basically whenever, yeah. whenever. Now you're second and three all the time, as opposed to maybe second and 12. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like, how could he be used in ways other than, I think everybody here is six foot seven and can go up, that it's, it's yeah. red zone.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's, um, you know, sort of the guys like him. That's the uh, mold that they're trying to, you know, the, the sort of typecast that they're trying to break out of. It's just, it's always, you just, you hear height. And you always just go, oh, it's red zone, it's red zone, it's red zone. And these guys are now growing up and they're seeing the other receivers, other very successful receivers, and they're going, I don't want to be just a red zone guy. I don't want to just be a jump ball guy. And so they're molding their game. And that was just some of the things that I saw from Johnny at the Arizona State was they were being very forward with moving him around. They were using him in all spots. He wasn't just an outside guy. He wasn't just a backside of trips guy where he was solo by himself to dictate single coverage. Um, they were using him in the slot. They were using him as the number three receiver on the trip side. And um, and so from what I understand before, you know, uh, this past season in the time that I spent was he's a guy that had been treated like a true number one receiver and not just a jump ball guy. So we can do multiple things. You know, um, again, he can run the whole route tree and not just be limited to, to fades into the boundary, into the short side of the field or in the red zone. And that's what I loved about when I first saw him play. That's what made me think, "Whoa, this guy's a star because he didn't just have one tool in his bag. It wasn't just I'm tall. The dude could run. He was getting in and out of breaks. Um, he still had some route refining to do. But for where he was, and this was his freshman year going into his sophomore year at, as our, at Arizona State, um, you know, for a, a freshman, this was a, a very good route runner for his size. And he is all of 6'7". That's not a program 6'7". That's not an exaggerated 6'7". He is all of it, flat foot with no shoes on. I mean, the dude is humongous, broad shoulders and um, – yeah. And so if he can play with some, if he can play with some physicality, I think that was the other question mark on him was, you know, when, you, when you're that big, uh, you're a big target. And so if you're not going to be physical, it's going to create some issues with you. And so uh, if we can see those things from him, his physicality, and then if they're going to use him in the way that I believe he can be used with that sort of versatility, you're talking about a dynamic, dynamic player. Um you know that can really do some some special things for you.
2: It, it sounded like you were talking about the basketball players that we've seen, the Kevin Garnetts and the, mm-hmm. you know, now it's now it's obviously Durant and those guys who, you know, for years the six eleven seven foot guys had to play in the paint, and now we've exactly. seen them go out and play on the perimeter, and it's this is what they're trying to do with a guy like Johnny Wilson, right?
0: That is exactly what I'm talking about, and I talk about it a lot. I'm, I talk about it on my on my Twitter feed, and I talk about it with, to anybody that'll listen. Is that all sports are going to positionless, um, you know, positionless basketball is already existing. Positionless football is on its way with these flex tight ends that are crazy. Johnny's kind of an example of that. You know, 10 years ago, not even he was 100 percent. They would call him a tight end. Um, you know, the guys like him are now going, hey, man, basketball, You know, the game is, is positionless. I'm just a playmaker. And I actually tweeted about it. Um, uh, tweeted about Johnny about a year and a half ago. And that's what I said. These guys, they didn't, they don't make them like this. They didn't used to make them like this. This guy is, he's a playmate. He plays playmaker position. You can call him what you want. You can call him a wide out. You call him a uh, whatever H uh, back, whatever. you can call him tight end. I don't, it, he's a playmaker. He plays playmaker position. If you can, if you can be creative within your offensive structure and you have a guy like this; it's an absolute nightmare. And I was a defensive coordinator; it is a nightmare. You have no answer. There's space that that those guys can cover that we cannot take away. You cannot take away a guy when he has a six ten wingspan and he's six six foot seven, and and he can run. There's no player in my book, on my team, on my roster that I have that can take away what he does. So, um, so yeah, that's. That's that's the way that I feel about I feel about football. That way is going that way. Obviously, basketball is that way, and even baseball is going in that direction. Where guys are, just, it's just positionless. We just want the best players on the field. Well, and we want to create mismatches.
2: Tom, somebody in the chat, Tom uh, asked. He, he said you, he lost. You lost him on positionless football. I think just to clarify it, and I'll try to yeah. explain it the way I understand it. In positionless basketball, which if you if you're an FSU basketball fan, you've seen this happen in FSU basketball. It's where you have guys that normally would be typecast as post players now playing, bringing the ball up the court. I mean, you saw Scotty Barnes playing point guard at six foot eight. You're not talking about the line of scrimmage. The line of scrimmage is the line of scrimmage, but it's now where you could put a a bigger guy at either out wide or even at running back. I mean, you see guys breaking the rules of what it used to be, and you're talking about Correct. skill position players, not the line of scrimmage
0: correct obviously you can't have a positionless lineman. what i'm saying is there's five potential vertical threats okay in in football and so they it used to be those slots were filled by x amount of body type you know the x and the z were the x was this body type he was this height and weight and the z was this height and weight the y which is typically your tight end is this height and weight The T, your tailback, was this height and weight, and the F, your fullback, was this height and weight. Well, now what guys' offensive minds are starting to do is go, I'm not just going to play the guy because he fits within the F. I'm going to play the best guy, Percy Harvin, for instance, Cordell Patterson, for instance, Uh, Travis Kelsey is a guy, that he's going to move in spots that in the past those guys, those body types and those skill types, they didn't play in those positions. And so now we're going to scratch what position, what those positions means and what those body types means. And we're just going to take our five best vertical threats to make the defense have to guard every single one of them. Where in the past you used to only had to account for Jerry Rice in the, uh, to the field, John Taylor to the boundary, and Brent Jones was the why. And he was going to be an attached tight end. And then they had Roger Craig in the backfield. You know, that was sort of the, the you know, um, that was sort of the mold. Well, that, that formula no longer exists in football, or at least it's going away, where guys have to play a certain position because of their body type. And a lot of guys are now getting jobs because they do things. You know, we had Leon Washington, say, at Florida State when I, when I was there. He was a guy that his body type said said running back, but he could do everything. He was a punt returner. He was a kick returner. He could catch passes very well. He was a very good route runner. Um, his career would be totally different today than it was back then because back then he had to just wait behind Greg Jones because he only played T. We didn't use him in multiple ways because there were structured positions, and that's going away. Um, we're all headed in that direction.
1: So the final question we have for you here, D Rob, and, and thank you so much for your time, because I think a lot of people now in the chat are fired up about the prospects of one Johnny Wilson this season, mm-hmm. but outside of Johnny uh, and outside of the way you watch the game, what about this team? What about FSU? Are you looking forward to seeing? I don't know that Duquesne will teach you a lot. Maybe it will. Uh, but well, let's say these first four or five games, What is it you need to see and what is it you're looking for out of this team on either side of the ball that is going to be information to you about if eight and four is attainable or nine and three or or whatever the goal might be?
0: Yeah, I think I really want to see um, the cohesion uh, and sort of the use of what I think Mike Norvell saw and thought his team would look like when he took over at Florida State. I'm excited about seeing this iteration of what I believe you know he wanted to get done. I think he's got, you know, he's got a couple recruiting classes. He's calling the offense now. Um, so I really i'm I'm really excited to see sort of what that looks like um, now in 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 you know in this coming season. And so even with duquesne, I, I think I'm excited about that because, I don't believe he's been able to do all of the things that he believes in that he wants to. And I studied his um, – uh, the, the video from his years prior to coming to Florida State, and then I watched Florida State's offense last year. Um, they were distinctly different in the things that he was doing, and I just think he felt limited because he didn't have his guys and uh, and potentially because Kenny Dillingham was, was calling – or at least assisting in coordinating the offense. And so I'm really excited to kind of see that, um, see what that looks like, how that, how that sort of manifests itself in, in, uh, in real time, you know, throughout the course of the season.
2: Can I ask one more question, Tom, real quick? (laughs) Uh, We'll just, we'll just have a special chats where I can just ask D-Rob questions. Um, (laughs) Hey man, like something that came up recently. And and I want to also tell people that when you watch, you know, D-Rob came to Florida State as a defensive back and he, he's coached guys on both sides of the ball, so he's going to talk a lot of defense too. We've kind of focused a little bit more on the offense today, but I think uh, you'll, you'll be impressed by his knowledge of the defense, obviously, as well. Um, but I did have one question, and I was texting you about this. It's something that came up this past week during a lot of our interviews was, and we talked about it in the roundtable today, a lot of the players have been talking about how much stronger their knowledge of the, this, the offensive system is, and mm-hmm. Mike, Nor- Mike Norvell and Chris Thompson, the tight ends coach, both talked about how, what that does when the players understand more than just, okay, this is the play and this is what we're trying to accomplish against. And this is probably what you're going to see, but but being able to see different defenses and they may be prepared for, and then apply the, the concepts to still attack the defense on the fly. Like you've got 11 different players yeah. out there adjusting on the fly. Is that, I mean, it sounds great to me. It, it, does that does that mean something to you as a player? And, and and what do you think that could mean if they're at that point now in year three of the system?
0: Uh, one. So two things to that. One is that's every year, every offense, every team in the country right now is saying that, and I'm not trying to discount what right. these guys are saying. But that's literally if you go to every single on three, you know, uh, college site, um, every player saying that. Um, and we all feel that way, honestly, like, you know, 90% the, the ones that don't are the teams that are going to be at the way, way bottom. Um, but is that important? Absolutely. And, um, and hopefully that again, that's what I was saying earlier that I hope that is true. I hope that there is some sort of co- cohesion. I hope there's a much higher understanding. And the reason is football, I've said it a couple times already. It's just an equation. Football is literally equation. And then and on each play, the defense is going to present you a problem. And so the better that the more tools you have in order to solve that problem, the more likely you are to figure out what that equation is and plug in what you need. You'll have A information and C, and you gotta figure out, okay, what can I use at B to get me to, to my destination or to get, get the intended result of this play call. And so the better you understand your offense, the better you understand what your coach is intending to do, um, your coordinator, your quarterback, um, the more likely you are to find the correct solution for that problem that the defense is presenting you.
1: We look forward to the War Chant watch-along. I can't wait. I'll be there for the second half, D-Rob. and Hopefully we're getting into the weeds about some of the backups for FSU because it means things have gone well against Duquesne to the tune of uh, a lot of points and a big spread between – the Knowles and Duquesne for FSU's season opener, but uh, thank you so much for making a lot more of your time than we had talked about before you came on. Uh, your insights <laughs> are always appreciated, and that's going to be you and Aslan to start the the first half next Saturday, five p.m. right here on WarChan TV. But I look forward to seeing you in the second half, sir. It's going to be a fun season. Yes, sir. I'm excited to do it.
2: Thanks, D. Rob. Talk soon.
1: Thanks. Yep, and uh, yeah. once again, we put the graphic up full screen as D-Rob exits. Uh, that is Saturday, starting at 2 p.m. right here on Warchant TV, Zaxby's Warchant Game Day. All day long, Zaxby's has purchased the rights to uh, make this all happen. If it's not for sponsors like them, if it's not for people like you who subscribe to Warchant.com and support what we do, these things are not possible. So thank you all. On the eve of the football season, for what you're providing, because at two p.m. there's a pregame show with Jeff Cameron and myself from Hotel Indigo in College Town. It overlooks Doke Campbell. We can't say enough about the vista that is the seventh floor at Hotel Indigo. We hope you stop by if you
2: yeah. And uh, just sorry to interrupt you, man, but um, but yeah, I think several of us are going to be there. I mean, you guys are going to be doing the show there, the pregame show, but I think most of the staff is going to be there as well. So come on by, and uh, we'd like to meet people and uh, talk before the game
1: going to be a full day on Warchant tv every game so we have pregame shows this year for away games as well we're going to have you covered before during and after every florida state football game hopefully there's 13 of them i think that's what we're all aiming for this season we'll see if fsu does earn a bowl game in december we like their chances but ira gotta react now johnny bull. <laughs> holy god really Dude. this this if he is like that then this changes fundamentally how you have to prepare for Florida State's offense. And it's a defensive coordinator's nightmare.
2: It's a, it's real, it's a real thing, man. Like I know nobody wants to say it and we all want to qualify it, but you're out there, man. Like he makes plays. He He is. And it's not once in a while. It's man. If he's targeted, I mean, he's made a lot of plays, man. There aren't many people that size that run like him, jump like him, can catch like him, c- contested balls. He's a talent, dude. I mean, I, yes, I, it sounds crazy to compare him to KB, but man, they haven't had anybody, any remote. He is so different from Tamori and Terry or somebody like that. It's night and day. He's a real receiver. I'm, I'm excited about it. And I, 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 I probably wouldn't have said it, you know, because again, you don't want to deal with the, the backlash, but man, he's, uh, uh He's a talent and he's a real talent.
1: I, I think he's, well, he's more detail oriented. Maybe I think, is that a fair way to say it? Because the the thing I hesitate about with KB is the dominant stretch that we all know about. And it started a few games into the championship season and it never stopped uh, until the end. And he even had a good rookie season in the NFL with Carolina. Uh, I think he had a hundred yards in the, in the playoff game against Seattle. Like that, that little stretch of maybe, what is it? 20 months. For KB or, or 18 months was phenomenal. But if you look at the whole career of Kelvin Benjamin, that includes an ugly night after the Orange Bowl victory against Northern Illinois, right. which he's on social media complaining about the lack of targets that night. And the thought amongst us and the beat, I didn't talk to you specifically that night. You were too busy getting chewed out by Jimbo when you weren't there and present Right, and uh, he was calling you out was, oh man, is, is Benjamin gone? Because he hadn't proven anything yet. Well, so- The thing I'd say about Johnny Wilson early on in his career through two camps is there's a willingness to be consistent every day. And I don't foresee him running to social media and complaining about anything. He just doesn't, he doesn't seem to be wired that way.
2: Here's the thing, man. Like KB, we all saw him when he arrived at Florida state, you know, I mean, he did not, he looked like an offensive tackle. I mean, he didn't look like a wide receiver. It took him two years to get into shape to where he could be that guy and then he gets in the league and then loses that focus. Johnny Wilson's is a little bit different. I mean, I think he's focused, to, to, yep. to Dominic Robinson's point, that he's not content to be a, a nine-route guy. He has worked to be a complete wide receiver. And that now, when you have his size and, and, and speed, running all those different routes, and you can move him around and match him up and play chess, he's a difference maker, man. I, you know, Again, I, it sounds crazy that people haven't seen him, or maybe the only time you saw him was in the spring game. But, man, it's not crazy. And I think, it, you know, look, man, it's good for Dominic to go out there and go on a limb. Maybe he'll change his approach when he does more of these. But, but I, yeah, man, I think he could be a dominant player. There's no doubt. And the other thing is, you know, again, KB KB got focused for, like, a brief period of time. Johnny Wilson's been doing this for several years. He was a superstar coming out of high school. And, you know, and, again, it didn't it, – the only thing, the only kind of, you know, thing that gives you pause is that it didn't happen at Arizona State for him. He didn't have that much success there, but again, Dominic saw that situation much, much closer. I do want to hear because he was close to them. I do want to hear more about what he thinks about uh, Jane Daniels. That'll be maybe during the Duquesne game. That'll be a good topic because he knows a lot about Jane Daniels. And that is who Florida State's probably going to be seeing a lot of when they play LSU.
1: Hopefully it's what we talk about for the entirety of the fourth quarter of the Duquesne game, because it means that the score is in hand. Yeah, I, I agree, Ira, just the way that Johnny seems wired. The thing I loved about him the most when he announced his transfer uh, intentions to Florida State was the blocking film. You don't, you don't block if, you're not, if you don't care. You know, that, that's, little things like that tell me that you care as a player. Then in spring, he ran hot and cold, extremely streaky. Like He had high points that we've seen in the fall, but the, the low points are just not nearly as low. That's what gets me excited about him. I thought yesterday when I was typing up the roundtable that I was going out on a limb by saying that you know he's squarely the second best receiver on the team. But no, sir, that's not a limb whatsoever. So. Hey,
2: and one, one more thing to clarify, because I know there's a couple of people. There's at least one person in the uh, chat who is shocked and, and, and appalled by this comparison. He's not going to have Jameis throwing to him. So right. take that in a, take that into consideration. So his numbers and whatever else may not be what KB did. But I'm telling you, man, he's a, he could be a dominant, dominant player. I'm, I'm I'm not surprised by what Dominic said really that much.
1: To the 500 plus of you that are watching Sunday Smash right now, hit the thumbs up button underneath this video. There are a lot of FSU fans who are hitting the market right now saying, where can I find good FSU talk? I have been searching for years. If there was an algorithm that could help me find good FSU talk, please, algorithm, speak to me. Hit the like button below this video. You will help said algorithm uh, make their way to that person's computer or phone. Thank you for your support on Warchant TV. And once again, Ira, we'll have some closing thoughts in a moment. It's a buck, $1 for the year. Come on, folks. You head to Warchant.com right now, or you look in the comments. We've got it pinned at the top. There is a link to take you to Warchant.com, powered by On3, the next iteration of uh, what it is to be a sports, a college sports website. All FSU fans, we're talking to you. This is not going, going to go on, excuse me, forever. The $1 special, sign up right now. Warchant.com, powered by On3. We can't wait to see you on the boards at Warchant.com. All right, Ira. So the receiving game and the passing game has been talked about a lot tonight. I did want to touch on this uh, in terms of the offense real quick. We had a question in the roundtable about the leading rusher, and it's a tough call. Who is going to be FSC's leading rusher? You can discuss it right now in the chat, everybody. Leave us your thoughts, too, in the comments section when this video is done if you're watching on demand. Ward or Benson? It's a fun argument because Fili is going to get in there too. I think he's going to hit some home runs, not just a couple, maybe more like a handful for Lawrence Fili this year. But I believe you picked the Benson burner. I, I, I don't know why.
2: I was a little surprised that you went with the Benson burner.
1: Oh, uh, all in.
2: You're yeah. all in. Yeah, you're, you're all in. Yeah, no, I, I uh, actually uh, I debated a little bit, but then I kind of was. I kind of said to myself, "What are we debating here?" Uh, again, I like Trayshawn Ward. But yep. Trey Benson, man, he's a he's a grown ass man. I mean, as, as we like to say, and uh, he's got great great speed. I think he's complete back. Uh, if he stays healthy, I think he's going to have a huge year.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it's I, I looked at the numbers, and, and part of my answer was I think if he gets at minimum twelve carries a game, Trey Benson, he's going to go over a thousand yards. I feel very good about that because last year, if you look at Jayshon Corbin's numbers, he had one hundred and forty three carries over twelve games, just under twelve carries a game. And he had nearly 900 yards. I think Benson's got the extra burst to hit a couple more runs for 20 or 30 yards. So, you know, he might have a few 60 plus yard runs next year without even breaking a sweat. That might have been 35 or 40 yard runs for Jason Corbin. That's why I think Benson might be the guy because of the splash plays he makes. But Treshawn Ward is is more than a little important. You know, if if he goes down, that's that's a big loss for this group, because I still think of Benson as the guy that might be more of a compliment. I just think he might rack up more yards. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, uh, I also want to touch on a question that somebody else, uh, I've seen it a few times in the chat, so I wanted to address it. The question was about Alex Atkins as a play caller and his input in play calling. And I think it's because Dominic Robinson mentioned Mike Norvell's going to be the play caller. Um, Yeah, Alex Atkins is going to be very involved. He is the offensive coordinator. He's going to be very involved with Mike Norvell sitting down and going through the the game plan, developing the game plan each week as the offensive coordinator. But on game day, as the offensive line coach, he can't be calling plays, even if they wanted him to, really. He's got a lot going on. Uh, Mike Norvell is going to be the primary play caller, and that's going to be different. Kenny Dillingham was the primary play caller last year. Mike Norvell did it when they were at Memphis. I think it's an upgrade. I think going back to Mike Norvell, and I think Dominic was hinting at that as well, I think that's going to be a positive uh, for this offense. But Alex Atkins is going to be very involved with developing the game plan but Mike Rovell going to be the guy actually calling the plays on the turn of the game.
1: It didn't sound too t- too subtle to me. Did it to you? That, no. That, that, that Dominic is happy that it's not Dillingham uh, right. running the offense. Uh, Ira, what can we expect this week on Warchant.com that folks can sign up for? Matthew, don't put the graphic up, but for just $1 for the year. I know that, at, at least in my inbox, I don't have the schedule yet for uh, what it's going to look like press conference-wise. But tomorrow's a busy day. It's Monday of game week.
2: Yeah, and we'll have the defensive roundtable. As you mentioned, we did an offensive roundtable today with the defensive roundtable tomorrow, which has a couple carryovers. You and Corey are still a part of that roundtable. But then we bring in in the big boys. Corey Clark and Jeff Cameron are going to be part of that uh, roundtable as well. And uh, you guys will be answering a bunch of the questions about the defense and what people can expect. We have press conferences tomorrow. Mike Norvell, all the coordinators, Adam Fuller, uh, John Papuchis, and Alex Atkins are going to be talking to the media uh, tomorrow, previewing the Duquesne game and kind of wrapping up preseason camp. And then uh, we've got coverage all week. Uh, we've got a bunch of other stuff. Henshaw's house came back to warchant.com this week. Uh, George Henshaw who's a longtime NFL coach. Dominic Robinson's not the only former FSU star or, or, or athlete uh, on this uh, uh, on the Warchant staff this fall. George Henshaw, who was a, a coach under Bobby Bowden back in the uh, 70s and then went on to be an NFL offensive line coach and position coach for a long time in the NFL, is, is writing columns for us as well. The the Henshaw's house this week. Uh, we've got, I've got a feature on Dylan Gibbons coming up, which is really interesting, kind of in the, into the some insight into the senior offensive lineman. A lot of coverage coming at warchant.com. Michael's got some recruiting stuff coming up as well, so plenty of coverage.
1: And I see in the last few minutes, we have secured the starting time for the first edition of In the Coop with Robert Cooper. There it is on the lower third. Thank you nice. to Gene or whatever staff member put that up on the screen. But 7.30 p.m., so uh, 23 hours and 26 minutes. From right now, I did the math real fast. You can watch In the Coop with Robert Cooper. I don't know who his first guest is going to be. Oh, and Jesse, I'm going to thank you in just a moment. But the format this year, Aslan is going to be your host. But Robert's going to welcome in teammates uh, for each episode. That is the plan for right now. So it'll be interesting to see who his first guest is and what the heck they talk about. But I'm going to be locked in just like everybody else. War Chan TV, 7.30 tomorrow night for In the Coop, presented by our friends at Rising Spear as well so we thank them for making this whole thing happen for us monday night on war Chan tv we've got more listings than i can put graphics up for it's crazy what we got at war Chan tv and jesse thank you so much for contributing to war Chan tv thanks jesse let's see what we got here i know duke cooper and our safety should be good but were there a handful there were a handful of practice updates that made me feel like duke was struggling are we good there ira i think there's a one-word answer what do you think
2: i think you're good there um Duke Cooper did – I mean, there were a couple days where he, you know, he got beat some, but that's one of the things we've talked about is the receivers have been able to win some of the battles in this preseason camp, which has not been the case. Uh, the last few years in, pre, in during camp, the, a lot of times the defensive backs have dominated things. The receivers have had some good days, but, no, Duke Cooper's looked really good. The other cornerback position, probably Renardo probably Green, but could be Jarian Jones. I think, you know, there's two or three guys that they've got working there. Zaria Thomas, Thomas is a guy that's going to get in the mix – as well as the season goes on, but, but I think the secondary should be solid.
1: All right. Final question. We'll answer here on Sunday smash. And, hey, then, and
2: were there other people we needed to thank? I thought there were a couple other.
1: Oh, there were Ab- absolutely. Uh, and, and uh, Mark was one of them. He was just talking about the logistics of being six foot seven and what that <laughs> means for the simple cash at the, at the line of scrimmage. So thank you for that Mark and Thanks, your observation. Mark. And then we had a, a $20 donation just because I believe it was Silas uh, Silas. Yeah, there he is. Silas T. Carpenter. That's, uh, as always, thank you, Silas. Thanks, Silas. Uh, For Slyest.
2: You know, slyest.
1: Slyest. That is uh, dyslexia at work, folks. So thank you, Slyest uh, Carpenter. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, Tom, I saw a question from you that just came up, and that question was about the depth chart. What day does it drop? We still get those. There, You know, some coaching staffs don't even do it. I believe Michigan and Harbaugh, they don't even release one. Uh, but last year they did, and so yeah. we would expect us to get it tomorrow morning around 10, 11 o'clock, something like that.
2: Yeah, usually. So the press conference for on Monday, they get Mike Norvell and the coordinators. Right before that, usually around eleven o'clock, yep. uh, ten thirty maybe. Uh, the depth chart will be out, and uh, they'll put it up on Seminoles.com, and we'll also uh, tweet it. And other media will jump on it as well. Uh, we have a pretty good idea what it was, what it will be, uh, based on practices. We weren't supposed to report. We're not supposed to report the depth chart until FSU puts it out because that's kind of one of the conditions of us being at practice is not to give up too much about the depth chart, but they will put one out tomorrow. Look for a lot of, there'll be plenty of oars. You know, I think at running back, you're going to probably see, you know, they may list two different running back positions, but you'll see a lot of oars in different positions, but uh, uh, that'll be coming out tomorrow.
1: Yeah. The number one name I'm looking forward to Ira is uh, Darius Washington because he can play anywhere. So I want to see where he fits and it might be multiple places uh, in the, in the days of a lack of offensive line depth and i'm not saying they're totally fixed now but you would see the same name across a couple positions we'll see where darius washington is among other players Uh, but that wraps it up for us tonight on sunday smash to everybody who contributed to the program rob was the first to contribute right out the gates thank you so much uh for giving to us your time your thoughts your questions and more in the chat thank you to dominic robinson and to director matthew who fought through some internet issues as he went out and came back in thanks for fighting through it buddy and uh Sorry to your Phillies for losing three out of four for
2: Irish. Hey, Phil- real quick. What else coming up on YouTube over the next uh, 12 to 18
1: hours? Oh, Mike. Well, Ira, everything. We've got everything over the next 12 to 18 hours. Of course, we said in the coop tomorrow night, 1230, but that's not 12 hours. Uh, in 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 less than 16, 17 hours, you've got the Jeff Cameron show right here at 1 o'clock. That's live on Warchant TV. Start your morning tomorrow with Wake Up Warchant. They post it. Late night. So if you're up, if you're on the West Coast, if you're like Ralph out in Hawaii, it'll be there before you go to bed. War Ch- Wake Up War Chant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Our, Fred, our friend, Ed at DeLuna Coffee, also supports the program. That'll be here the press conferences. Mike and all the coordinators will be right here on Warchant TV and look in your podcast yes. feeds as well. We've got you covered all week. Why wouldn't you subscribe to the channel? Why wouldn't you subscribe to the website? Do both they will combined cost you $1. So thank you. And David, thank you. We're feeling lucky this year, aren't we, Knowles? Eight wins? Yeah, all right. I think so, too. We'll sign off for tonight on Sunday Smash. He's Irish Chaffeele. I'm Tom Lang. We will talk to you next time. Cheers, Red Stripe. Here's a high noon for you.
2: There we go.